This episode's been brought to you by the Texas Taekwondo Alumni Association Endowment Fund. For more information, please contact Texas Taekwondo Alumni at gmail.com. Greetings, Horns. This is Coach Mike, and welcome to Season 2 of Texas Taekwondo in the Coach's Corner. In this episode, I chat with Jenny Kim, Rachel Agnite, and Kim Huang, who were all key parts in Texas Taekwondo's championship team in 2018. Well, I'm glad that y'all are here. Um, this, I mean, I know we joked about it just a second ago, but this particular podcast is one that I have been looking forward to for a while. And, you know, this group right here is probably one of my most favorite groups uh, that I got to watch kind of grow up in the past couple of years and then move on to the next stage in life. Um, so Jenny, Rachel, Heem, welcome to uh, In the Coach's Corner. Hello. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having us here. Uh, so um, it's been a while since I've last seen each of you in person. Um, I think, gosh, we've been in this covid situation for quite some time um and it's really changed a lot of things but how's everyone doing what's new these days um i'm doing pretty well been in medical school kind of um they pulled us <laughs> out of our patients in march because of this whole pandemic situation so i've been doing online um online modules i guess like online rotations and mm -hmm. um, just chilling in my apartment and I've been fostering dogs lately, and I have little Bella, who's a two-year-old dachshund mix, sitting next to me on the couch. And so my life has been full of puppy fur and a little bit of wheezing and lots of doggy love. Oh, cool. I like that. <laughs> Surround yourself with positive things. Um, well, I guess for me, basically stuck in the house 24 7 <laughs> jk but um the grocery runs are my only reprieve from this isolated area <laughs> it gets it gets fun to see the outside sometimes <laughs> so for, for but, your grocery uh, runs are you doing like curbside or are you actually going inside the store um so i actually go inside um i don't the curbside here at least in sugarland um, it's like inside of Houston, there's not much of a huge curbside option as opposed to like what um, a lot of people in Austin have available to them. But um, I tend to pick grocery stores that don't tend to have a lot of people going to them during the day. Or I usually pick like a non-peak time and then I, I run in with a, a double mask. <laughs> smart, smart. Ooh, double mask. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Got a filter and then a fabric. <laughs> but um, other than that, uh, I actually did a certification exam for to sell insurance here in Texas today, actually. Okay. <laughs> I passed it. Congrats. Yay! Congrats. All the snaps. All the snaps. <laughs> we had no doubt. I had small doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Considering my last certification exam, I passed exactly with a 70, so... <laughs> but uh, other than that you know it's just living day to day <laughs> yeah Oof. um all right i 
I think I'm in the same boat as Jenny right now. I'm doing a lot of online modules also in medical school, the exact same medical school to be, um, <laughs> to be whatever the word is. But uh, before then, though, for the last two months before then, I was in this dedicated studying period. And I think that was really difficult during COVID because you're already isolated um, in this period. It's kind of a notoriously known really difficult period of your medical school career where you're studying day in and day out and you're not really seeing patients. You're not really sure what you're doing this for other than um, a, a sort of uh, a board exam at the end. But um, I think it went really well uh, considering the current situation we're in. I did get very, uh, like I felt alone and isolated, um, but I, that was a good experience for me to kind of learn what it is to be your, by yourself and how to rein other people in that you need, not use people. I, I don't want to say it like that, but kind of right. employ your friendships um, into that situation so that you don't feel so alone. Um, so that was a really, I guess, blessing in disguise to learn that because sometimes when you're you're not faced with uh something like a pandemic which i hope nobody <laughs> has to face ever um it, you, you kind of lose sight of some of how easy it is to connect with people and yeah. or how yeah. how fleeting your relationships are sometimes with social media and so reining that in and, and really focusing on the people that matter or that could really help you that was an important learning experience. So that's what I've been doing for the last two months. Like it was, it was ge genuinely a learning experience. Wow. So, um, yeah, when you talked about, was it dedicated study? Like for those of us that aren't in medical school or in medical field, what is that exactly? I mean, I'm picturing <laughs> almost like solitary confinement and, <laughs> and like a book in front of you and that's all you have. When I pictured it, I imagined being at a coffee shop every day. Like I was going to explore a new <laughs> coffee shop in Dallas every day. I was going to yeah. have a giant desk all to myself, come really early, leave really late. The bar Rista would know my name and then give me discounts. Like those were, <laughs> those were the thoughts that I had in my head. Obviously I was at home the whole time, didn't go to any coffee shops. Um, and yeah, so it is what you think it is. It's, I studied and I actually tracked myself. I studied 12 hours a day, every day for two months. Whoa. And uh, it, it was just putting sometimes really random, obscure facts that you think no patient will ever <laughs> ask you or need to know or yeah. like will impact your care in any ways. Anyway, um, it, it got frustrating a few times, but yeah, that's what the period is. Uh, Jenny oh. can probably speak more to it too, because she 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 also was in a period uh, like this, but before COVID. So, oh wow, yeah, yeah. So I think it was similar to Keem's experience in terms of like the amount of studying and you know having to cram just random information in your head, like oh, what gene is responsible for this random, like, disease that's in oh one gosh. in 10,000 people or something? No, but... one in 100,000. Yeah, seriously. Oh. I like but, how she um... has to correct you even. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I had the opportunity to, like, 
actually go to coffee shops and <laughs> study with, you know, one or two of my friends who are also on this dedicated study period because um, our medical school spreads us out so that we're on different rotations at different times and everyone takes this test at a different time so that okay. we don't overwhelm the hospital with like all 230 medical school students right. on like pediatrics rotation or something. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, so I took it a couple of months before Keem, which ended up being a really good thing. I'm so sorry you had to go through that, Keem. <laughs> no, like yeah. I said, I learned a lot. So I, I, it's all whatever happens, happens. Yeah, happened yeah. for a reason, huh? I think everybody's when... mental health is just really bad during that time. <laughs> but I'm sure the pandemic just amplified all of that terribleness. Yeah. When you describe this um, dedicated study, I'm picturing – so I saw this video – pop up on my Instagram a while ago. And it's, I think it's like um, um, school children in China. And there's this one little boy and there's a book right in front of him in the classroom. And he just kind of like scoops his hands into an open textbook. And he just like pours it on top of his head. Like it's water. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> right. It's my favorite one. Yeah. Oh no, and, I don't know that one. Oh, I need to send it to you. It's hilarious. I think it's exactly what, what we're picturing dedicated study to be and then he turns the page he's not even reading the book he just turns the page and he scoops his hand into the open book again like it's water and he pours it on top of his head and then he turns oh. the page again and does the same thing if and he's it was just... that easy <laughs> <laughs> if all i, I had to do was get a little cool. wet I would have been just fine. I could do that for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I really oh, wish man. I had that when I was back in college. I know, right? If only studying Every just final like that. exam like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, I mean, wow. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm super um, proud to hear that y'all, you know, made it through that. And you know, medical school is so foreign to me. It's something that you know my parents always wanted me to go to, but I didn't. So I'm, I'm always fascinated by other people's stories of medical school. <laughs> oh, I'm really fascinated about non-medical school stuff. Please tell me anything else about your life other than medicine. Even if you have something wrong with you, just don't tell me anything about your medical conditions. How's architecture school? How's like... How's doing the insurance stuff, Rachel? You know, I have uh, no yeah. idea what your, your, your trajectory is like right now. Um, so for... Like, honestly, I'm in the same boat, to be honest. Um, you know, COVID really shot a plan in my uh, my pathway towards pharmacy school. So, um, you know, I was looking for basically any job. You know, any job is a job. Money is money. Um, and I came across a, a remote job that was for um, life insurance. So I was just like, well, this seems interesting. And, you know, um, you know one interview 40 minutes later, AKA a whole drive through halfway through Houston. Um, they offered me the job, but they were like, you need to get insured. I mean, um, certified to sell insurance because it's by law here. So that was like a really interesting thing. They couldn't really hire me unless I was a certified um, like agent in Texas versus like, you know, for pharmacy tech, you can actually get hired and gain your certification later. Uh -huh. So I'm still pretty not sure what I'm going to be doing in terms of insurance considering I have never dwelled in this sector before. All I know is pre-health, pre-med, pre-pharmacy stuff. So I am just as clueless as you, but um, I do hope that this gives me a good financial leeway into hopefully affording pharmacy school in the future. 
you're, Rachel, uh, you're such a fast learner. You're going to catch on so fast and you're going to be, you're going to do so well. That is if I can get my sleep schedule under. Yeah. <laughs> I guess at the risk of sounding macabre, like insurance and health and death and life, you know, I think they're all related. There's always going to be a market for that. Yeah. There is. Yeah. There is. <laughs> there was there was so much health insurance packed into that study course. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I feel like a doctor already. <laughs> Ripping people off sometimes. Oh, oh no. wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just what? kidding. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> That's what the snakes in business school do. I know. I think I'm. I think I'm low key becoming a snake. The money. Oh. Uh, no, no, no. We're not gonna insult the other. Major. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we love you all, oh, yeah. babies. Let, let's quickly change the subject here. <laughs> um, so one of the things I love doing with these podcasts is hearing people's history with how they started in taekwondo or any martial arts period and then how they found their way into texas taekwondo whether it you know they found it just randomly or they had a friend or what we call the roommate effect um so I'm, i really like capturing and documenting these stories from alumni and so um you know i i've known the three of y'all for a couple of years but i never really got to coach y'all or like sit down and really get to hear your 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 history um, in depth. So, you know, I'd really like to hear it, you know, on this podcast and, you know, share it with the rest of uh, Texas Taekwondo. So, you know, Jenny, where did you start with Taekwondo and how did you come across Texas Taekwondo? Yeah, so this is a great question. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I started Taekwondo, I think, when I was in third or fourth grade. Um, I think I was around nine years old at the time. Um, and one of my friends, his name was Bobby, and he was my low-key boyfriend from elementary school. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to this Taekwondo Academy called Korean American Taekwondo Academy, which was actually just down the road from where I live, like five, max 10 minutes away. And so my mom thought it was a really good opportunity for me to get some exercise and, you know, stay healthy and maybe gain some confidence. So she enrolled me in the school with my little sister. And yeah, that's how I got started. And I picked it up really fast. I loved every bit of it. I actually wasn't that fond of sparring because I don't know. I was just, I just didn't like hurting other people. And, <laughs> like getting hurt. and I just felt uncomfortable with this whole fighting situation. And um, I mean, I eventually grew into it, as you can see, per Texas Taekwondo. But yeah, when I first started, I actually really hated sparring and I would just skip Wednesdays because they were always sparring yeah. days. Um, but yeah, and a couple years after I joined, when I was around 13, I think, they gave me a job there and I taught, I think, an hour three times a week on oh, top cool. of my classes. Yeah. So I was earning some money, doing things that I loved, but then we moved about 20 to 25 minutes away. My parents made me quit because they didn't want to drive, you know, all the way there and back. And I remember arguing and crying so much. Oh, wow. I was so upset about it. But yeah, I took a brief hiatus from Taekwondo those four years of high school because, yeah, my academy was just really far away. Was it because Bobby was still there too? Was it oh, yeah. 
Oh, no, actually, yeah. I had a crush on another one of the instructors at the time. Oh, oh, oh no one from my academy ever hears this. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll um, be sure to edit that part. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And so, how did you come across Texas Taekwondo? Um, I was, I think it was during orientation, or maybe it was the first week of school when they had all those. Um, little fairs for the clubs. Mm -hmm. And I just saw Texas Taekwondo's uh, little, I think it was the A-frame or maybe a it was the at the time. <laughs> yeah, but I saw a sign and I was like, oh man, I haven't done Taekwondo in four years. And all these memories came back of how much I enjoyed it. And I was like, you know, my parents can't stop me now. So I signed <laughs> up and I went to open house, best decision I made. Wow, okay. Who were some of the first people that you met? Um, Rachel actually was my very first friend. Oh, yeah. Beginner buddies. Mm -hmm. She came up to me and we started talking and, um, then Hakeem was there and Roger was there and Atifa was there. Um, and we just, you know, spent the entire first open house dying. And the next day <laughs> I could not walk up the stairs towards that UP tower. Like yes. I just couldn't. Oh my God! I remember your butts off. Yeah, it was very <laughs> severe. Oh, that's, that's actually cool. what made me stay in Texas Taekwondo was that afterburn. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> that was also that was the day I realized that I was a masochist. <laughs> 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 Anyways, no pain, no gain. No pain, exactly. no gain. <laughs> Well, Rachel, let's hear your story since uh, Jenny said you were her first friend. You know, where did you start with martial arts or Taekwondo? And then how did you come across Texas Taekwondo? Um, so basically, in every typical Asian household, we do martial arts movies all the time. <laughs> so, you know, we grew up seeing it a lot on TV. But, you know, um, due to a lot of circumstances, we couldn't really afford a lot of the classes around here. And especially moving from California to Texas, there was no, there wasn't that much time for my parents to put me mm. in any martial arts school versus, you know, school and everything. And so um, I always, I, I got exposure here and there, like through like Shaolin, because one of my aunts um, went to Shaolin a couple of times, um, but I always longed for it. And so I think in my senior year um, of high school, I, while I was applying for colleges, I hadn't even sat on a school I actually looked at UT's club page and I was like I'm gonna do martial arts I'm gonna be one of those cool kids in college <laughs> who can fend for herself as well as get fit and um, I came across Texas Taekwondo's um, club page you know it seemed it was still kind of quaint the picture because um, it's not the size that we have now right. but uh, it seemed really interesting and uh, I knew I made it a goal after getting into UT to find that club at um, orientation because I was looking at updates and I went there, I zoomed to oh, wow. little, the little booth and I saw um, Josh and Andrea there and, you know, they gave me the information. They're like, see you in the fall. And, and that's how I ended up there. <laughs> oh, wow. So your very first martial arts experience was with Texas Taekwondo. I mean, mm -hmm. officially. Uh, officially. And I mean, what about Texas Taekwondo made it stand out compared to all the other number of martial arts clubs on campus? Um, so there was karate, but I saw my brother do karate and I did not like it. It was really <laughs> boring. It was just a lot of um, a lot of punching and 
I just didn't like it. It was just it didn't it didn't stick out to me. And yeah. um, Akido and Judo had a lot of grappling in it, and I just didn't want to be choked by someone. It <laughs> <laughs> was not something that appealed to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> it's a very but, fair um, statement. It's very fair, but you know, um, also like start researching the other martial arts. Uh, Taekwondo seemed the most obviously coolest. <laughs> Well, of course, yeah, of course. Just, of course. But um, looking at the videos, I was like, man, I want to do that. I can, I can do that. I think, even though my ankles kind of suck, but I think I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went with Taekwondo out of you know all the roundabouts. My aunt was like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Wow. <laughs> That's cool. I I actually discovered Texas Taekwondo through their website way back in 1999. So. You know, we're, we're pretty much in the same boat. <laughs> it's an experience. Yeah. <laughs> Your smiling faces were misleading. Shame. <laughs> I'd like to hear your story. Um, you know, where did you start yes. with Taekwondo and how did you find us? I am uh, the strongest proponent of the A-frame. I think... <laughs> as somebody who became uh, like a recruiter essentially for the club, mm -hmm. I always loved that thing. Um, that's how I found Texas Taekwondo's orientation. I saw the A-frame. Um, I saw the times. I took a picture of it. And then I showed up. And that was it. Uh, that was my first. I think that was my initial foray into martial arts. Maybe really? in Maybe when I was 10, maybe I was in karate. I'm not sure. Confabulation is real. So might or might not be true, but for sure, it, unless the last four years was just a dream, I, uh, I, I went to Texas Taekwondo. And I think the first person I met, just to parallel those stories, um, I, know, I don't know who the first person I met was, but I think because the first year I was actually in Texas Taekwondo, I think I was kind of reserved, uh, believe it or not. And I didn't make... Uh, uh, as lasting of friendships uh, as I did after that first year. So I don't really huh. remember who I encountered. I do remember that burnout. <laughs> and I remember that, that first, that first, um, what is it? Open house practice will never be unetched from my mind and my right leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. I feel like no, none of the other open houses has, has ever matched that level. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. So here's my theory. This is a theory, conspiracy, okay. if you will, that the reason why four years later in 2018, because one of the questions you sent us was like, I think 2018 was a huge year. Yeah. I think the reason why 2018 was such a huge year was because in 2014, <laughs> that open house ruled, like, scratch, ruled out all the other punk ass. Can I say on this podcast? Yeah, by all means. Free speech. <laughs> yeah, uh, ruled out all the other pabs and left the strongest people standing. You know, that's the yeah. conspiracy. So, natural selection, so to say, survival of the fittest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we could, if we can do uh, that day, I think the whole rest of it was just uh, telling ourselves every day to not be afraid of yeah. what's to come. And also, 
facing our fears head on. I think that's really what it was because I was like, this, huh. this really sucked, but why do I want to go back? I think it's yeah. because I had nothing else yeah. that, that did the same thing that challenged me in that way. And so I kept coming back. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it's true. You know, what's so interesting about that theory and I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not arguing against it. Um, but <laughs> What's what's real, what I find very interesting is it's a conversation that Coach Joe and I have all the time um, because we do a lot of self-reflection of where Texas Taekwondo was, you know, 15, 20 years ago and where we are now. And we're still trying to figure out why we're so lucky with such a great club with great people, um, because in the past, you know, we used to have that mentality of we really want to be tough on our athletes to the point where we want to weed them out. And sometimes we felt like it was too much and it had a reverse negative effect. And, you know, me personally, I can remember taking it up a notch as, um, as a team captain, as an assistant coach way back in 2006, 2005 to where we would be so tough on our athletes that we actually had a poor retention rate. Like we were, we were losing dedicated athletes because of that. And, this is very interesting for you to say that now that it was a different breed that actually y'all embraced the challenge and adversity and it made you want to stay. I, I wouldn't speak for everybody, but I think yeah. um, just like in a relationship, you have time and circumstance. So mm -hmm. at that time for me personally, that's what I needed. And maybe for many, for other people at that time, like tough love was what they needed. And that kind of bred that, but maybe at that um, 2006 or something, they that's what that's not what the club was going for or what yeah. people expected. Uh, so there's some kind of expectations. Uh, honestly, I had no expectations going into the club. It <laughs> kind of just blew all my expectations out of the water. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm talking a little bit too much. So you guys no, 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 no. come in and see if, if you agree or not, if that's true. Um, so... For me, I guess the into thinking it was a whole turnover in terms of physical health. Um, for me, like a small backstory is, you know, majority of my life, at least majority through middle school and high school, I wasn't in the best shape, uh, you know, really overweight, struggling, you know, with body positivity and just being overall healthy, borderline diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that first work, that first open house really kind of low-key crippled me, but at the same time, it was it was one of the best workouts I've ever had pretty much in my life. And, you know, the the atmosphere, the people around you, like, you know, the motivation behind it all in that group setting was a really huge factor in motivating me to not only come back but continue staying because, you know, it's the whole mentality behind it is like it's harder to work out on your own, but when you have a lot of people behind your back who, who don't even shoot you down for being the last one to finish, or, you know, right. you're, you're, you seem like you're holding everybody back because you're going so slow, but everybody's cheering you every step of the way was like something that really was like a mind, um, like an eye opener, but also an enlightening experience for, you know, looking at working out and working out with other people in a different way. So while I couldn't have climbed the stairs, it, I was able to crawl back. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I couldn't yeah. find. Oh wow, that's a nice quote. 
let's write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have it embroidered on stickers. Let's go. <laughs> I want my royalties. Jenny, let's hear from you. I mean, you were at that same open house. Yeah, I think that um, it's really a combination of what Kim and Rachel said for me because, um, you know, I woke up the next morning. Well, first off, I left that workout knowing <laughs> that I would not be able to walk the next morning. But I also woke up the next morning and I remember Joe said something very specific. He was like, you're going to remember me and you're going to feel like you got hit by a train, something along those lines. Yes, I definitely remembered him as soon as I woke up. I definitely felt like I got hit by a train as soon as I tried to get out of bed. It was quite excruciating. But um, just the entire day and even that evening, um, I don't remember if it was a Tuesday or Thursday, but up until the next open house, Honestly, Texas Taekwondo was all I could think about. Like, I was like, wow, that was so fun. And like Rachel said, it was a lot about the atmosphere as well. Like, I think personally, I really like to be challenged and pushed, even though sometimes I get frustrated. Um, You know, um, overall, I really do enjoy a good challenge and I really enjoy being pushed to my limits. But Mm -hmm. also it was just the entire atmosphere of the club that night and really almost every night thereafter is everybody was just so encouraging and they were pushing themselves and everyone was just so happy and excited to be there. And it was just the mentality of the group was, it was just like intoxicating. I just like could not get enough of it. And I was like, I cannot wait to go back. I cannot wait to go back. (laughs) And I just told my friends from my classes, I told my roommate, I tried to get all of them to come. None of them came after walking, <laughs> tried to walk in tears, but like, I just, I was like, I can't get it out of my head. I love this club. I need to go back. And so wow. um, I think it was like a mild addiction to pain, but also just, <laughs> um, also just like the atmosphere of the club. So Wait, what was y'all's workout that open house? Oh Man. my goodness. It, I got to know it's this. Gestalt. It's the gestalt of how hard it was. it was not necessarily was, the singular moments for me okay. i feel for me it was the entire so the workout it started i guess what was really fun about it was um i guess what's different from the typical open houses at least in our last final years was there was a lot of like um actual kicking involved so okay they 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 let us sample so much <clears throat> uh so many different kicks but all of a sudden i think one hour or 30 minutes left into the to the, um, <laughs> the open house, they lined us up in the back and we were like, what's going on? And it went from running down, up, sprinting up and down to uh, duck walks and bear crawls and oh, wow. wheel, wheel barrels and, um, uh, what is it, piggyback riding? Yeah, I think we did buddy uh, squats. Yeah. No, not yeah. squats, <laughs> buddy, buddy races. Yeah. Buddy races, yeah. And, but it was like, um, it wasn't, so the first part that killed you, but well, it was the fact of the matter that it was four, four sets of yeah. like three. Oh, geez. So, so you're really, really dying at the end of it. And honestly, it could have like, maybe it wasn't as hard as some of our other workouts. Yeah. Maybe I was just very, very out of shape. Cause I, like, <laughs> I really had not worked out at all throughout high school. Like after I left Taekwondo, mm-hmm. um, and so I was really out of shape whenever I came to UT. And so it could have been that too. But, you know, whatever it was, that open house was definitely really tough. 
it beat out the freshman 15 from even entering our bodies. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. I got that freshman 15 in medical school instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Post-college. That's crazy. Like um, the way you describe your initial experiences with Texas Taekwondo, it sounds sounds like a lot of fun and it sounds like a really positive place like for me my first experience like officially um i remember like so i was a black belt when i started texas taekwondo and usually when a black belt comes in the first thing that happens is all the other black belts want to test you out so we sparred well more like they sparred me my first night there and they all just wanted to kick my ass (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so yeah I, I literally did get my ass kicked my first um week at texas taekwondo uh, but i mean it was fun it was it was i knew i wanted to be there um so it's, it's very interesting to hear you know where we came from you know 20 years ago to where it evolved to you know 15 16 years later and you know it it seems to be going in the right direction like a very positive trend because i mean i think just the status of the club speaks for itself it's a really it's a really positive, fun club to be in. Cool. Yeah, and I think also um, it wasn't just the workout. It was the inclusivity of the um, club itself mm-hmm. because I remember like um, like Josh, Sherry, Mihan, Andrea, like everyone just coming up and like saying hello to all the freshmen. And of course I had Rachel and Hakeem and um, like my freshman buddies as well. Um, I just felt like the entire club was so inclusive and they were just so happy to have us there. And, um, you know, as a freshman where you don't really know anyone at this huge college, that just means so much to you at the time. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Very true. And so I want to transition over to, you know, fast forward to the next year, Heem, you have, you essentially took that role on, um, I mean, for, for as long as I can remember up until your very last year with Texas Taekwondo, you were that role of like outreach. You're the one that connected with everybody and you were a very active um, leader and officer in, in the club. I mean, how did you fall into that role? And you know, what, what was your decision point for embracing that role? Especially since you said your first year, you were kind of reserved. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Well, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm actually not sure what happened and how I got the role. I honestly think they just gave it to me as in <laughs> somebody needed to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I, I Yes, I don't explicitly recall that I was like, I want to be the recruiter and the volunteer social coordinator for this club. So if it if, if that was what happened, I didn't, I don't remember that. <laughs> but that's what happened. And I think, um, just like the other two have been saying, the club is really important. I, I guess I haven't really hit on that uh, enough, but I knew that it was special uh, for me personally. And I knew that it was a place that I wanted to be. And I knew that it could potentially change a lot of people's, I guess I'll say lives, although that sounds very cheesy. But I knew that it could have a great impact on a lot of people if they were willing to give it a chance and come in to the club. I also wanted to meet a lot of new people. Like I said, although I was reserved, I like meeting new people. So I knew that I would be kind of good at this role. And 
I think a lot of my, um, a lot of the, the ways that I worked within the club as an officer wasn't really, didn't really have a lot of specifics. It was really just having goals in mind and trying to figuring out, try to figure out creative ways or new ways to achieve those goals. So we wanted more members. We wanted to be more um, engaged. And so it was just coming up with ideas on how to do that. Also, I think I'm just a very outgoing person um, that a lot of people can, uh, that is reflective of some of the inclusivity of the club. Like I tried to be really inclusive and invited everybody like during the summer orientations or the, the, the fall ones or the winter ones, all of it, yeah. just really trying to project that we are a, an outgoing, inclusive, fun club, not using words or by acting those qualities, but, but right. just by being a member of the club who happens to love it. And I think that was the most genuine way to approach that. And it just kind of happened that it worked out. And a lot of the stuff that we did uh, in terms of creative solutions also worked out. Like that, that one time we did 40 for 40. Um, <laughs> I remember that. I where remember that. we were just having people kick, like, kick us. I think oh that was actually God, really I feel fun. so bad for Martin. Yeah, Martin. Martin Wing. Wing. <laughs> Uh, what yeah. an MVP, what a champ. Uh, just things like that. It really is just about, okay, here, we have this idea. Just do it. See what happens. Yeah. And it, it works out most of the time when you just approach it in a very confident and also genuine way. As long as you don't try to force it, but you try to exude your own happiness or your own qualities that you want other people to feel, then it just comes across. So I think that's what happened. Um, long story short, I love this club and I wanted other people to love it as much as I did. <laughs> I think that's the best way to wrap it up. Uh, I mean, when I look back at the last couple of years you were there, Keem, I mean, you know, since I wasn't in Austin, I, I kind of lived with Texas Taekwondo remotely. So I would observe everything through Facebook or Instagram and it was so active and your face was in almost every single post. <laughs> Wait, you should ask them about this. I, I, as a person who's living through being the popular kid, I don't know how yeah. I, how I look. So you guys, what did you, you should ask them about that. So, I mean, for me, I, who, I mean, I consider, I don't want to consider myself like way too old to not be, like to not know what goes on in the younger generation, but I kind of am. And I saw it, I was like, you know, for me, I'm usually very skeptical, skeptical of, of social media and trying to have a good time. Like I grew up in a very traditional Taekwondo world where it's very structured and regimented and disciplined and tough and mean. Um, so when I saw like this whole this very active Texas Taekwondo Facebook page, I have to admit, I was like, this looks this looks hella fun. I kind of want to be part of this group. <laughs> I mean, that, that's coming from me, who's like old school Taekwondo. Like, I didn't smile. I didn't want to have a good time. I was like, that looks like a lot of fun. I want to hang out with Heem and whatever she's doing. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm honored. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it. you can definitely tell that the mood at the time was like, it was very inviting. And you're right, it was very inclusive. Like, it just, it didn't matter what you looked like you know, what you, 
how you spoke or, you know, any of that, all the, all this minor surface stuff, it didn't matter. Like as long as you're willing to kick hard and train with us, you were part of this Texas Taekwondo family. And that message was very clear and open. And I don't think it was better understood any other, like any better than that moment. You know, it was, especially with y'all involved with Texas Taekwondo. Wow, it got really quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're reflecting. Well, I've talked a lot, so I don't want to say too yeah. much more. So, I mean, let's let's shift over to um, Jenny and Rachel. Um, you know, I what? Um, I forgive me if I didn't if I didn't uh, remember correctly, but I what office did you serve in any officer roles? With the club, uh, no, I did not. Okay, um, the only reason why I ask is because, from from a remote coaching point of view, um, and someone who came into Texas Taekwondo kind of towards the end of your your time there, what I observed, even though you weren't officers, I clearly saw y'all and, um, I, I saw y'all as leaders within the club very easily, um, if if it weren't in an official role or anything, but you were definitely strong spiritual leaders for the club. And I think a lot of it shown through the way that y'all competed. Y'all were some very dedicated, very strong competitors. Um, I was going back through some of the old um, collegiate results. And I mean, Rachel's name pops up almost every year. Uh, Jenny, (laughs) Jenny's name pops up pretty often. And, you know, for for someone like Rachel, I mean, you never did Taekwondo before until you got to Texas Taekwondo. Yet you became one of our strongest, most um, avid competitors. I mean, why? Like, <laughs> why? Yeah, like, why? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, because, you know, even though I was a black belt when I came to Texas Taekwondo, I hated sparring, but I did it because I had to. But you, like, embraced it, and you're like, an, you're almost like a brand new person to it, and you just embraced it. Like, why? (laughs) Um, That's a very good question, actually. Um, So my first year there, I guess it was um, tournament season in the fall was much bigger, I guess, my freshman year. Okay. Um, um, We tended to, I guess, we started gearing towards more springtime tournaments, I guess, because collegiates was in the spring. But um, I do remember my first tournament with Texas Taekwondo was literally – maybe two or three weeks right after official practices started and it was oh, wow. in Tomball, Texas. Yeah. So it was brand new, you know, and I was like, yeah, you guys gotta go to your first tournament, get get a taste of it. It's a small tournament. And I remember trying to recruit Jenny and Roger <laughs> team to be like, hey, guys, you wanna go? Sounds like fun. <laughs> Cringing. <laughs> but, um, they didn't end up going, and I was the only newbie that ended up going alongside um, Abraham. But you know, Abraham uh. was not necessarily a noob to the club. I mean, to the sport. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really scared. I fought this monster mom black <laughs> belt in the corner over there. She was really happy about her son being a black belt. She was all like, "Hi." Like high spirits, so nice. And then when we went into the ring, I, I didn't have oh. contact at the time. She like let out this monstrous yell, and I got so scared. <laughs> um, I, I I actually ended up crashing into the judges' table. 
Oh. Whoa. I was circling <laughs> out because I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so out of my element. This is so scary. <laughs> and I even got a, um, but it was a Kyungo back then because they don't have those anymore for crashing right. into the table. They gave me a penalty for crashing into the table. So I was like, this is so embarrassing. People are watching me and I suck. <laughs> so, I mean, that was your first experience, but yet you went on to win silver at Delaware at Collegiates that year, right? As a yellow belt. Mm-hmm. That was your first Collegiates. And then later on, you you took bronze in San Diego and you moved up to a blue belt, and then a very, very big adventure in the sparring <laughs> ring. I mean, um, it, the list goes on. I mean, you got silver in DC as a blue, and then to top it off, you got gold your last year in Austin. <laughs> I mean, that, that's amazing. I you can't. This is like what sports writers love writing about. It's like the Cinderella story, right? I mean, you just described a. a to what sounds to me like a pretty horrific, pretty scary first ex- like tournament in Tomball, Texas. It was low-key low traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you stuck to it, and I mean, you carved out a really, really impressive journey. I mean, I wish I wish I could dig in your head and pull out whatever it was, you know, this, this Formula <laughs> X, but wow. I mean, you know, kind of reflecting, what made you want to come back after that Tomball experience? I think it was, I think mainly what spoke to me was Sherry. And um, Sherry was, um, she was basically, she mentored me majority for that tournament because, you know, you chit chat here and there because obviously there's like a lot of nerves. Mm -hmm. I'm like a tiny child in this huge arena, (laughs) fresh out of high school. And she's like, you know, honestly, even though it may be like basically is like, your first time but you can only go up from here is basically what she she told me you know it's like okay. if you put in the time and the effort into it you will see results and um you know while i didn't find sparring especially in the beginning i did i don't think i found sparring really fun until my third or fourth year there um it was an experience but it also was also a marker for me in terms of how well i was learning the sport mm-hmm. because i think um, especially when we went to nationals, it was like a big oh, eye opener yeah. as to, you know, you know, like, wow, I can actually formulate what I want to do here. Like I understand what I'm doing. I can see myself in my own mind, like watching the opponent and not just being frazzled in there, you know? And it was, it was actually more satisfying. It was actually very like, you know, like a tear-jerking moment for myself, at least, you know, to, to really show that, you know, I worked hard for this and it's actually showing in at least my physical ability and, you know, my my health, you know? Yeah, that was that was an awesome tournament. I forgot to list that in this whole thing. Like, so you, you went to Nationals right after Collegiates in Washington, D.C. So fast forward a couple months and it's summertime. We go to Nationals 2018 to Salt Lake City. And you even, I think you went down a weight class, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You did. Yeah. It was a, it was a weight goal. <laughs> yeah, you went down a, you, you went down a weight class, and then you won gold at nationals. That's what? again crazy. <laughs> what a boss. Yeah, I think um, the way you describe that you're able to, like, you were starting to enjoy the sport, and then you can actually watch your opponent. I think 
Is that is that the proper term? Uh, you you became woke. Is that it? You're woke, like Taekwondo <laughs> woke. I'm not even quite sure. I feel like yeah, that's did I use that? <laughs> I, I don't know if that is the one to use. No, no? okay. I, I think it's more about a social collective awareness that you become. Aware, okay. you know, you get. Yeah. But I, maybe you can I'm, repurpose it. I'm still, I'm still learning this, this fairly new vocab for me. You, you have to, yeah. you have to understand. I'm from a, an older generation. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like, in the same boat. It sounds like Rachel had like an unlocked moment, like next oh. level unlocked kind of. I that would be how I would. 50. Rachel yeah. leveled up. Rachel leveled up. She leveled yeah, up. I, that's exactly I what happened. I unlocked new. Like this whole time, she had just been building XP. She's just <laughs> exactly. been building XP. Well, I, I yeah. was just farming. You don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so also at that um, nationals was Jenny. So I want to hear Jenny's experience um, because you too, um, you you competed at Delaware your first year at collegiates as a green blue belt, and you took silver that year. Yeah. And then I think you might have paused for a little bit, and then I remember seeing you compete. In Washington DC. Yeah, and... he gave me a really good pep talk right before my <laughs> fight. I was so nervous. Were you really? You didn't seem that you you were you seemed so happy at the moment. Like I, I didn't feel like I had anything to offer. I was like, Jenny's gonna go out there and she's gonna do just fine. Oh no, <laughs> I was just really quiet because my chest was exploding with anxiety. <laughs> wow. So if that were the case, I would not have known that um you came out with silver. Um, that year in the red belt division. And then same thing with Rachel, fast forward a couple months, you went to nationals um, in Salt Lake city that year. And you there was no one in your division, but you fought two <laughs> exhibition fights and you won them both. Uh, I think I won the first one and then I lost the second one. We I won't mean, talk about that. So. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I thought nationals was really fun, but I, so I wish that I had been able to train throughout the summer between DC and nationals because mm -hmm. I was just having so much fun with Taekwondo and I just wasn't ready to leave it yet. And, you know, when I signed up for nationals, I was like, yeah, let's get this. Like, it'll be so fun. Like, I'll just train super hard and um, this will be my last fight. But then um, I took family vacation to Korea, which was also really fun. And it was super mm -hmm. nice to see my relatives after like, I think it was like 13 years or something. It was something oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah, wow. so uh, that was really great. But I think it, I guess, um, halted that fire that I had going in between because it was really difficult to train while traveling. And, um, you know, my I would try to take my sister out like running with me, but it was hard to do Taekwondo stuff. And um, I feel like I stayed somewhat in shape I wasn't super out of shape, but I definitely lost some muscle weight, you know? Mm. So um, I do wish that I had been able to train in between, although it doesn't mean that I would have sacrificed that trip to Korea to go see family, you know? Right. But I think that I did have a lot of fun at nationals, not only competing because it was super nostalgic and I feel like I got really emotional just thinking about it, but um, <laughs> also just like the entire trip was really fun. I, um, we actually drove all the way up to Salt Lake City, me, Rachel and Anna, 
And we yeah. met up with Danielle there who flew and um, we shared an Airbnb and it was just such a fun experience. And I'm so glad that I got to end my journey with Texas Taekwondo that way. Yeah, that was, um, that was a really fun trip too. Um, I have that picture um, after all the color belts competed that first day and almost everybody had medals. It was crazy. All the girls had medals and uh, yeah, I have that picture in my office. It's, um, it's one of my fondest memories. Oh, I'm not crying. You're crying. Someone, someone chopping onions in here. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was a fun trip. And I mean, I really liked watching your Taekwondo progression as well, Jenny. I mean, especially because you, you talked about how, you know, when you did Taekwondo at your old school, like you really didn't particularly like sparring that much. But then when you watch yourself, like if you ever watch video of you fighting, I mean, I've watched you fight from the sidelines. I mean, you're a very, you don't, you don't come across as someone that doesn't like sparring. <laughs> She's vicious. She's very <laughs> vicious. Very vicious. Um, and I mean, what? Oh, like, same same question for you. Like, why did? Here was something that you didn't like, but yet you embraced it. What drove you to embrace it? Um, I think honestly, it was um, you know part of it was being in the club and really just having all my friends there and wanting to be involved, and um, mm -hmm. it was tournaments were a way to spend time with them. And it was really fun. But also, I think part of it was really pushing myself out of the comfort zone. And um, I thought that that was just what I needed in college, as well as, you know, like, not only just college, Jenny, but just um, in my personal life, it's helped me so much just being able to be uncomfortable, you know, like, right. be like, hey, I'm really anxious about this. I'm really uncomfortable about this. And, um, you know, maybe I lost a good night's sleep because of it, but, you know, you push your way through it. And um, regardless of what the outcome was, you tried your best. And, you know, the fact, like, like the important part is that you fought through those feelings and you fought through those emotions and got to where you are now. And yeah. I think that was just such a really big growing experience for me that, um, you know, I wanted to push myself to do it. And as well as, you know, I had a lot of support from my friends, all of the coaches. So um, it almost came naturally, even yeah. though I wasn't the most fond of sparring, just personality type wise. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite memories about you um, in terms of sparring, I remember um, right after collegiates in DC, we did a GoFundMe like fundraiser to help raise money for um, y'all's trip to Salt Lake City. And I wrote a, like a, a quick short um, bio, biography about you, about your, your journey through Taekwondo. And then, you know, tried to use you as like an example of why all the alumni should donate money for, for y'all to go to nationals. And, you know, I, I wrote up this narrative about how you were this small, tiny, timid little girl who didn't like sparring, um, but yet you just, went to collegiates and you took silver and I use this, there's this photograph of you from that tournament in DC. And, you know, this narrative of you is like this short, timid, tiny little, like 
shy girl, but the pictures of you is like doing a headshot to your opponent and your foot is like right on her head and you have this like pure look of aggression on your face. Like, <laughs> like you meant to put that kick there and mm. yeah, boom. It was like, mm. <laughs> it was such a weird. The beast. Yes. Take it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like before every fight, I would give myself a little pep talk and be like, you have to be aggressive, Jenny. You have to kick her in the face. You have to be aggressive. Be so aggressive. Be the most aggressive you've ever seen. Like, I'm pretty sure I used the word aggression in my mind like 50 times right before I got onto the mat. I was like, you have to cut kick her. That's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to check and cut kick her and you're going to do it aggressively. And you run out there. Ah. <laughs> but I mean, like looking back on recorded videos of my fights, they're still really cringe-worthy. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> Big oh. mood. <laughs> Ever the critic. Ever the critic. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, Jenny and Rachel, it, it, your stories are so amazing because clearly it's, you, you both mentioned it's like sparring is not entirely within your comfort zone, um, but yet you, you embrace the challenge, you stepped up to adversity, and, I mean, your competition records, I mean, even though medals don't count, but just the fact that you stuck to it and the accomplishments speak for themselves. But I think just the fact that you embrace that uncomfortableness is, is the biggest goal accomplishment right there. And yeah, as, as, as a coach, it's, it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of to see from y'all. Very, very amazing. Four tears. <laughs> All right. Enough of this happiness. Hey, Kim, I meant to ask you real quick. You did a podcast for a while, didn't you? I did do a podcast for a while. That is correct. Was it uh, Drumroll Please? It was Drumroll Please. What happened to that? Uh, we One medical school started for me, and then my uh, partner in crime started a new job as a data analyst. Um, okay. Port person or whatever. And so it did fall off. We also lost our equipment because we used to do it in the, the, oh, what is that place called? The Moody uh, recording studios. And it was free okay. for UT Western students. And it was great. It had, it had a whole board um, and soundproof walls. And it was just nice. really cool. Great equipment and software. And it was all free. So yeah, um, yeah we did, we lost that. And so we kind of, <laughs> kind of gave it up. Oh, but, yeah. I, I went back through some of the old Facebook posts and I saw that you, you posted a link up there and I tried listening to it, but I guess they, they're not uploaded anywhere right now. Yeah. You have to pay, uh, you have to pay a fee every month to keep them up. And so mm -hmm. I, I kept it up for actually a year. <laughs> I paid for it for a year and then I, I took it down, but I, um, I have all the downloads. If you did want, uh, if you do want it, I do have it, but I had to take it down. It's causing me too much money. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, I, I was just curious because um, so before I started doing this podcast, I had to learn what a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> and, all uh, the rage these days. <laughs> I know all the kids are talking about them, <laughs> and um, like I had never listened to a podcast before, let alone record one. And um, then I started noticing um, other other Texas Taekwondo members like doing other side projects like podcasts and so yeah i started listening to them more and was like wow these are just like radio shows but called differently mm -hmm. yeah they're definitely just radio shows yes 
<laughs> but not they're, they're not as hip, you know, you know, they're not as hip. <laughs> they're not on the radio. <laughs> we need more fancy jingles. But yeah. all, honestly, I think radio shows have a lot of, aside from Sirius FM, which is mm-hmm. kind of close to a podcast, more so than regular radio. Radio is, con- yeah. oh, this I'm going to sound like a corporate person. It's controlled by a lot of interest. So it is, yeah. Whatever comes on on a radio podcast uh, broadcast is way different than the kind of independent DIY kind of feeling of I just have a mic and I'm going to talk to it. Uh, sensibility that a podcast has, and I, I think that. That's probably the appeal, even though they're kind of the same medium. Yeah. They, they're created for different people by different people. I'm, I'm glad you explained that to me because I just, my mind just went right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's good yeah. to know. That's good to know. Yeah, there's a lot more um, independent content, as you will. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Man, I'm learning something every day. <laughs> um, cool. So yeah, let's transition over to. So Texas Taekwondo, when I first started, uh, was a very, and I've talked about this in a few past episodes, it was a very, I don't want to say male-dominated, but it was predominantly male-driven um, in Texas Taekwondo. I mean, uh, most of the officers were were males. Most, Almost all the competitors that we had at the time were male. Um, and it was very much driven by like almost like an alpha male mentality like we would have to have our president be like a black belt who was who'd usually either be korean or some kind of asian descent but they, they most of the time had to be like a black belt guy and somewhere down the line it changed and i remember i left texas taekwondo the first time in 2007 and then i came back in about 2018 officially and it was a completely different environment and the biggest thing that I noticed right off the bat was um, the demographics had shifted. It was predominantly female and it had very strong female leadership. And so somewhere during that time that I left, it transitioned and it shifted. And um, I'd like to get y'all's perspective on that because I, from my observation, I know that y'all three and a lot of others, but I mean, y'all three were heavily involved with it and uh, I think a lot of it can be contributed to the efforts of the three of you. Yeah, well, I think that it this shift also parallels a more national shift towards um, women being encouraged to, um, you know, really put themselves out there. And there's that book, like, Lean In. And, um, mm. like, I I just feel like, like in my mom's generation, for example, she wouldn't have been able to do things like Taekwondo because it was thought of as too um, manly or, you know, too boyish. And, but for me, it wasn't really a question of, oh, she's a girl. She's, she shouldn't do Taekwondo. Uh, She's going to be seen as, um, you know, a boy. That was never really a consideration for my parents. Mm-hmm. My mom was concerned about me sparring because I was kind of small. But um, <laughs> in terms of, you know, like gender, they didn't, they weren't like, oh, she's um, a girl. She is not allowed to do Taekwondo. That was never a question. And so I think this parallels a more national shift towards um, young girls getting more involved in 
you know, whatever sport they want to get involved in, if that's cheerleading, it's cheerleading. If it's Taekwondo, it's Taekwondo. If it's, you know, if it's um, like soccer, it's soccer. It's, and it's really anything. And um, mm -hmm. I think that we've been really breaking a lot of the limitations that women had in the past. And so I think that's part of it. Um, another part, I think, at least for me, and I'm sure for Rachel and Keem are just like the strong female leaders that were there whenever we first entered the club. You know, I specifically remember Sherry, Andrea, Mihan, they were all just, you know, there were a lot of strong women there already. And having grown up in an Asian household that's, you know, fairly traditional, I feel like other than this whole Taekwondo thing, uh, my parents very much emphasized you know, being proper, being, um, you know, being soft and, you know, being, being that perfect little small Asian girl that yep. you see in like Korean dramas, like the one that's shy <laughs> and like doesn't talk that much, that kind of thing. Um, and I think coming to Texas Taekwondo and seeing so many empowered women and being like, oh, I want to be like that or like, I really like Taekwondo. I can be bold about it too. Like um, having that leadership there already really set the scene for at least me to stay involved and, um, you know, push myself to grow. Whereas before I felt a little weird about it just because of the way that I had grown up. So, yeah. Wow. Um, at least for me, I do remember there was a large, there was a very, at least, well, not large. The club was not as large as it was before, or as it is now, but before it was a lot of males. Um, I do remember a lot of, um, at least, uh, us females were like, like a very small portion of the group. I know when we <laughs> lined up on the wall, uh. you could barely see us. You'd have to like pick us out through it. And I, I think we all had a consensus that we need more females in the club. It's, it's, uh, if I do say so myself, it's becoming a bit of a sausage fest in here. <laughs> um, oh, I haven't heard that word in a long time. Um, so oh, we dear. do need, we do, we need more, more females. It's, it, it also comes to the point of it, it did, you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit uncomfortable for us to, you know, spar against mm -hmm. some of the, the guys there because, you know, stature and, you know, I guess it, we're still going off from that whole awkward vibe of high school, you know, being in the clench with, you know, other males. And it's right. just like, I'm getting really close, chest to chest, kind of awkward. Um, also, you can just kick me down in one swipe and it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of our, um, at least whenever I tabled, you know, we, we try to drag as many females as we could because a lot of guys would gravitate towards the booth yeah, or the yeah. table. But, you know, a lot of females would like, shy away or like oh no that's not for me that's that's too you know masculine and it's like <laughs> no it's great you can kick people in the face trust me <laughs> <laughs> i believe in you oh so you actively you actively tried to recruit more females that's that's good to hear i, I feel it's like you know it's, it's a it's a good experience to help people get out of that shell and that mm -hmm. mentality um you know, like you, you, you are only open. Um, you are what your experiences are, and I think it was like one of the quotes my my sister always told me. Like, you know, at least from applying jobs, the reason why a lot of females don't 
feel like they get a lot of the jobs that they could have gotten is because they don't feel like they're qualified. And I, I feel mm. like that also, that also um, is like pipeline through also sports and yeah. a lot of the stuff that we feel like, oh, you know, I don't think, you know, I have the, the qualifications to even attempt to do this. Like, you know, I'm kind of unathletic. I'm, I don't think that me in Taekwondo would be something I could do, but what, but it, like we encourage people to really give it a try and, you know, even if you don't like it, you you got an experience that you know can't be taken away from you. Yeah. I mean, and I felt I felt like a lot of people, um, not just females, resonated with that, and you know led to a lot of you know a lot of them joining and really understanding like you know this is something I can do and I can excel at, and it doesn't matter what um what like what gender I am or like why I identify as I can be better than most of the men here yeah, and actually yeah, yeah. kick their butt, you know. <laughs> That's true. It was always nice whenever you kicked someone's butt when they were like twice your size or something. It's great. Mm -hmm. Or There's... you get kicked by somebody half your size and then you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> of course. There's that viciousness coming out. <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to echo both of what Jenny and Rachel said, like pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think one, a lot of mirroring in, in what you can see and what you see is achievable, you you internalize and reflect outwards. So a lot of the earlier leadership uh, and also, um, but a lot of the earlier leadership for us and then us as leadership examples for other um, people coming in. It's all, it's one, it's a mirror for each other and two, it's like a train mm -hmm. um, reflecting back on each other as well. So that's, uh, what Jenny and Rachel kind of said. And uh, I also agree that I I had clear memories that we were like, we need more girls uh -huh. in the recruitment um, phase of uh, certain, <laughs> I don't remember the years, but definitely it was a, a goal to set out to have more girls, um, later of which our goal became to get more varied specialty of oh, mm, specialties. Oh my God. Medical school is really rude. <laughs> more varied majors. So ah. I think in, in, in the history, uh, when I was there, we always strive to include, and that's been a, a theme for this whole podcast. It seems we, we seeked out, um, more women identifying people. And then we, we tried to, to, to just expand, uh, our demographic as much as possible through our recruiting process yeah. um, as well. I think there's one thing that I, I don't think the other two touched on that I think might be important or might play into this um, uh, demographic shift. But I feel the reason I bring it up and I'm kind of hesitant to is because it's kind of a singular thing. I feel mm -hmm. like our year, we, we were very... Uh, we were very active as friends mm -hmm. and essentially we had like a Taekwondo house and <laughs> we had, it was like a, 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 a co-ed within and of itself. And we, we really nurtured a relationship with each other outside of Taekwondo, the girls, mm. um, you know, Jenny, Madeline, Rachel, um, uh, Katie, Molly Breakfast Club became a thing. Oh, actually, I don't know if you know what Breakfast Club is. 
Uh, me? Do no, I don't. No. Um, well, essentially, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think I want to backtrack just a little bit to, to, to run through the timeline and then we'll get Please. to Breakfast Club because I think it's it's a cumulative, cum, cumulative event. There we go. Um, okay. That highlights what I'm saying. So we, uh, a few of us uh, lived together, um, I think my sophomore year, and then more of us lived together my junior year, and then six of us lived together my senior year in the wow. same house. And every single year, it seemed like we were the hosts, you know? Ah. Uh, that makes sense. We were the ones, well, one, I'm the social coordinator of the club, <laughs> and so I kind of made it happen. But we became kind of a hub almost for, yeah. for people. And every year we had parties, like like the Halloween party was notorious for being kind of like the first introduction for many freshen, freshmen to, uh, to drink. <laughs> yeah, freshmen. <laughs> uh, many freshmen to, to drink. And I felt like we were a part of that. Um, yeah. So, you know, years and parties and things like that, that really define the college experience, we were a part of at this, uh. this group of girls. Um, uh, being the leaders of within the club, and so socially we were at the center of a lot of the the spears, um, yeah. and were able to bring people together. And I think that's what a leader does. So it really was just we had an influence in a way because people knew us and people trusted us, and we were able to be leaders. And through the eyes of others, like your like you, you know, I might not. I'm I'm an officer, so yeah, I'm a leader. But you know, Jenny and Rachel, who 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 weren't officers, they're still deemed as leaders because other club members would look up to them and know mm -hmm. that they are people that you can trust and 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 talk to when you have problems. Because we nurtured an environment outside of Texas Taekwondo to kind of open that avenue up. Um, so that's just another angle, I think that. Uh, hasn't been discussed, but like I said, it's kind of singular because I'm not sure what the new the new people are doing with their right. social spheres outside of Texas Taekwondo and how that plays into the leadership uh, role. But anyways, Breakfast Club was basically senior year. We had, after practice, we would bring uh, people into our home, the six person mm -hmm. home apartment, <laughs> and we would trade uh, turns, we would switch who would cook for the week and who would do dishes for the week. And it was a very communal, amazing thing that I miss, you know, the things yeah. like that, things yeah. like those parties and breakfast club. And uh, that is really the pinnacle of Texas Taekwondo for me. Um, those are the things that I think were really important in establishing who you can look to. Yeah. Who are the leaders? Um, uh, without direct, without directly saying, I am the president or I am, right. you know, come to me. You know? So, I mean, um, the way you describe it, it's so I can tell you that, um, if like in the past 20 something years, there are pockets of these moments that you describe where there's like a, a Taekwondo element like a social sphere outside of the, the training room, right? You live with each other, you train with each other. So these pockets do happen. Um, and it, it's funny, as you're describing some of it, especially, now this is going to sound kind of bad, but especially the whole introducing um, freshens to 
<laughs> to drinking, like the college experience, the, the whole drinking yeah. aspect. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much how I won Coach Joe over as a freshman. <laughs> <laughs> so Here's I mean, that. yeah, I, I, I was a, I was a super senior and he was a, uh, a wet behind the ear freshman, bright eyed, eager, excited. I mean, he was only 18 and I mean, you know, I, he had partied before, but it was just, he was like a little puppy dog. You, 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 you take him to these social events, you get him a drink, he gets all excited. Like, calm down. It's just a beer, you know, <laughs> that's how you get them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, listening to him talk about, you know, spending time with your, your, your teammates outside of the training room is a very important element. It, it just brings back a lot of memories of, you know, coach Joe's freshman year. Cause we spent a lot of time outside of the, the rec room, just hanging out. Um, I'd like to think I was pretty involved with his first college year. And, you know, it, it, that, that made a difference. It, it was very important, you know, to build that team element. And it was, it, it was just as important outside of the training room as it was inside the training room. Um, that's really neat to hear. Uh, and I think, you know, 2018, you had alluded to it um, previously, Heem, that 2018, I think, was um, a breakout year for for this very strong female movement. I mean, so some of the stats I want to go over. 2018 was when we went to Washington, D.C. for collegiates, and that was the first year that Texas Taekwondo like, really made a name for ourselves, right? We won the novice division. We won... We took third overall in the uh, black belt division, but we won first overall, which is a huge thing. So we won not only as a bunch of individuals, but as a team. And I think we brought the biggest team up to that point um, on a road trip, right, Heem? I mean, that was leading. I mean, you were a big part of that. I remember. I mean, how many people? <laughs> yeah, it's a blur. Um, yeah, that year was huge. That year was here for, huge for many reasons: uh, fundraising goals, uh, mm-hmm. recruitment, collegiates. Uh, it being our last year, <laughs> uh-huh. for many reasons. Uh, lots of nostalgia, lots of importance of that year. But in terms of numbers, yeah, it was it was the 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 biggest um, the group we've we've brought. We had to, like what. 31? I think it was like 32. Yeah. 30. Oh, wow. 31. Yeah. Gosh. So that year was a big year for Texas Taekwondo, but um, we would not have won if it weren't for um, the girl competitors. And I'll spit out some of the, the stats from it. So the way the point system works for collegiates, um, for every competitor that wins a medal, they earn a number of points for their, their school. And, you know, Texas, we won overall and we won novice hands down very easily. Um, Color belt females accounted for 63% of all of our points for the team. 63%. Um, I think for color belts, we had how many? I think we had maybe 11 or 12 competitors and like about nine girls won and medaled. So... I mean, our girls account for more than half the points. If I mean, you were the driving force for Texas Taekwondo that year. And I, I think it, I mean, you described it as going out with a bang. I mean, that was huge. And it was all because of 
not just because of y'all three, but I mean, the girls were a big part. And again, you three were some leaders on that. So again, it, it just speaks measures to, you know, what y'all contributed to. And I mean, if, if you want to end it just there, nope. We, we fast forward a couple uh, months later to nationals that year. And it's all girls that go to nationals. <laughs> it was all girls. So, I mean, it's, it, that's why I like to describe 2018 as the breakout year. Cause I mean, all that hard work, not just from y'all, but from all the female leaders up to that point, that was, I don't want to call it a crescendo because that means that's the end of it. No, I think it was a breaking point and like the floodgates just open and, it's such good momentum going forward. And um, yeah, as a, as an assistant coach to Texas Taekwondo, I generally want to thank y'all for that. That was just amazing. 2018 was a great year. And it was definitely because of leaders like you, like the three of you. Oh, wow. That's really sweet. <laughs> we wouldn't have done it without our coaches either. Yeah. yeah. Every step of the way. Yeah. Honestly, I think it, it was so big and so good. Not, because definitely not because of any one person, definitely mm -hmm. not because of any one group of people. Um, I think we all had a collective consciousness. We all came together um, yeah. to make it a really great year because, I mean, as we all know, the mat room, we feed off the energy of, of each other. And that goes for one practice, but that also goes through a semester. You know, I think we felt yeah. really close um, a lot of, a lot of really um, uh, veterans. A lot of veterans were going to graduate in 2018, um, and so we also felt. Well, I, like I said, I won't speak for other people. I felt like it was a year, like this is the last year. So uh, because there are a lot of people graduating, I feel like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jenny or Rachel. That it felt like it, it was a big year, and we should like go out. Um, and so the collective energy was really, really bustling and yeah. it brought people together. Yeah, I mean, I, I really felt like, I guess the, the, the broad term was we were hungry. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, everybody was really hungry for a huge shebang at the end of it. Um, and if you really look at all the, even the practices leading up to collegiates, I've never seen such a huge turnout for just yeah. You know, um, the, the collegiate geared workouts, which, um, you know, team yeah. workouts were open to regular members. And usually, you know, people get reluctant to show up, at least in the previous years. But, you know, those those workouts leading up to collegiates, almost everybody on that roster showed up because I guess they all collectively knew that, you know, this is it. Like it starts not not when we get on that plane, but, you know, more importantly, how we all train together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every, I feel like everybody just became like kind of like a collective consciousness, you know, like, yes, this is our blood, sweat and tears. And if we don't start all together here, how is it going to be when we're over there? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, to echo what Rachel and Kim were saying, like, was a sense of urgency because it was our senior year to um, really yeah, like end it with a bang and just give it your all. Like this will be how I really define like my Texas Taekwondo experience because it is the end. And um, it's funny because I remember like one of the first open houses that I went to as a freshman, it wasn't the very first one, but I was talking to either Hakeem or Rachel, but um, 
one of them said that they wanted to light up the tower senior oh. year <laughs> oh, like, wow. to, um, a tournament and they were like wow like texas taekwondo is like a club sport but like we could light up the tower and like i just imagined all of us as freshmen like for, for th- <laughs> i guess three years three years from then like as seniors lighting up the tower and oh, wow. i had this weird surreal moment whenever yeah. we were taking pictures like, I had, yeah, I hadn't even like flashed back to that memory until then. And I was like, oh, wow. oh my gosh, like we actually did it. Like I didn't think that this would happen because we're like, you know, we're a club. Like they don't light up the tower for clubs, right? But we had won nationals. And um, yeah, I think it's because we had this collective um, spirit and we were like, this is our last year. Let's give it all we can, we, all we have. And it was really amplified by the fact that there was like fitness club and like, yeah. I think that's what it was called. Like um, Monday, Wednesday practices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fitness club. Yeah. Jenny, when you're describing lighting the tower, like it just sent chills down my arm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, that's exactly how I felt. And that's so amazing that how you, you kind of predicted it or you, you set that goal like years in advance when you're a freshman. It's funny. I remember having the conversation with coach Joe, because I, I remember when they were lighting, when he told me that they were going to light up the tower, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to drive up from San Antonio just to be there. And it was like a, it was a weekday. So I remember I might've taken a day off of work or something, but I remember driving straight up to Austin from San Antonio just for that. And I was telling him, you know, for me, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy, you know, in the 20 something years that I had been involved with Texas Taekwondo, I had never imagined that the tower would ever be lit up for the small little Taekwondo club that we had started. And um, it was just, it was amazing. And, you know, what I really loved about it was like, I remember hanging out in front, in, um, in front of the fountain, just kind of forever, just hanging out with everybody before the picture was taken. And I think we were like the biggest club there. Do you remember that? That was that was like just a lot of fun, yeah. just lollygagging around and goofing off and <laughs> staring down the last team that was taking so long. Yeah. yeah, that that was a lot of fun. Um gosh. Well deserved for the three of y'all. Well deserved. That was that was an amazing um last year for the two of y'all for uh for Jenny and Heem. You know who the worst person is to record a podcast with for technical issues? It's Daniel, Coach Daniel. Of course it's Daniel. <laughs> he always, always has technical issues. Always. Why? Oh, he's Daniel. the guy, right? You, you would think so. And he's always like, oh, I've got my gamer headset on or I've got so these fancy things. you have a good, good headset that doesn't cause technical issues or computer, but he's the one with the most problems? Yes, always. There's always technical issues with uh, with Daniel. Gangers. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, I um, got excited because we were talking about some guy whenever I just joined, and I thought we were talking about Teddy. Uh, <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> Wait, Teddy? Oh, Who's Teddy? He's my son. <gasps> oh! Yes. He's been alive for so long now. <laughs> the you know name what? eludes me, okay? I'm sorry. No worries. No worries. Um, so 
a quick update on Teddy. He is he is fifteen, almost sixteen months now. Oh wow! Yeah, he has seven teeth. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. He he runs. He doesn't walk. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh my god, that's how you know he's gonna be a fast learner. Yeah, he he is um he just runs all like the other day, I don't know what he was doing. He was in the hallway and so he doesn't talk, he just kind of babbles. Mm. And so I wanna say he would like kind of stand still for a little bit and he was babbling and it sounded like he was counting down. He was like blah 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 and he would just make a mad <laughs> sprint down the, the hallway. <laughs> And then he would stop and he'd turn around and he'd go, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd run again. Uh, he did this for like a few minutes. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> he is he's racing. He's a, I know. He, that's what I think he was doing. But he, he's, a, he's a very active little boy. Aww. You got to get the energy out somehow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and here's another cute thing. So I've been, I've been teaching the girls Taekwondo. And so I have. I have a shield for them to kick. We do paddle work. Like, we do it all. And sometimes he'll watch. And mm. so, and I, I wanted to test out what, like, the mind of a little little toddler. So, check this out. I held the shield out, the kicking shield out for him. And that guy tried to kick it. <gasps> yeah! He, he literally, he, tried, he lifted up one foot and he tried to kick it. I was like, what? I, I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know? The next generation of Texas Taekwondo. Wow, that's so cute. It's a, it's a really neat, like, um, child experiment. You know, I, I'm, I'm really curious and fascinated by the mind of a little toddler. They're like sponges. They learn so much and so fast. They really do. Yeah. Best time to teach them new languages. Mm-hmm. Um, new interests and hobbies. They just absorb it, and they don't, they don't have the mind to like be fearful it they just go into it it's the best yep. part of the young one. <laughs> yep exactly so <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna start training him we'll see how it goes <laughs> um so this next section um we'll, we'll actually kind of wrap it up uh but um i'd really like to hear what kind of parting words not parting words but like words of advice you would have for the next generation of young Texas Taekwondo leaders, like the, like the kids who, who didn't grow up sparring, but yet are thinking about it. And, you know, or the kids who don't quite feel that they could be capable as a leader, you know, what kind of words of advice would you have for them to kind of, you know, and you can be honest with it, uh, but, you know, just like the realistic expectations or, what it is to get over that next decision point. Um, so I think in terms of, yeah, like Taekwondo, I would say, you know, just put your best foot forward and enjoy being there. Um, it's really like anything else in life. If you, you really need to enjoy it to do well, at it so um i think texas taekwondo specifically you get what you put into it some of my best memories and my best friends to this day are still from this club and you know don't just think of it as like 
oh, I have to get to this certain level. I have to get to black belt, gold medal to um, be successful. Just, you know, enjoy the process and enjoy being there and being present, um, making friends. Another note, I would, I want to apologize to everyone for what's been happening with COVID-19 and I can imagine that it's very difficult to enjoy and fully immerse yourself in whatever it is you're doing, whether that's like the college experience or Taekwondo. But I think it's a really good time also to hone in on um, becoming adaptable, which is really a very important skill, both in college and later in life. So um, I would just urge younger generations to you know, try to see the silver lining in all of this. I know it must be really frustrating whenever you're trying to live your best life as a teen or in your 20s, but, you know, trying to trying to become adaptable and trying to do what fits in best for your life. Yeah. Um, I guess first word of advice is, you know, take it all in stride, you know, Taekwondo is is a hard sport, but it's something that has not just experiences that you can just take from the room, but also something you can apply elsewhere. Um, don't I guess it's like it's it's to teach you don't get frustrated and also expect results right away. Um, mm -hmm. Your results are accumulation of you know not just the hard work you put in, but also what you're learning and how well you're going to retain that information. You can't expect to get a gold medal just out, right off the bat, you know? And I feel like, um, you know, especially with at least my generation and like the upcoming generations that I see with my siblings, instant gratification's a thing and that doesn't apply in a Taekwondo or an academic setting. Right. And, you know, we tend to get easily frustrated when we don't see results, but, you know, results aren't just the, you know, the hardware that we get, it's, you know, the small things like, yeah, you know, I landed that kick. Great. You know, most people can't land that kick for real, <laughs> you know, um, showing up, being there, just, you know, making the effort to just come down and see people and exercise with people is something that most people don't do on a regular basis. Like, you know, coming out of college, that's not something I do on a regular basis anymore. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. more inclined to go get boba than go <laughs> in the gym sometimes. Um, another word of advice, I know it probably doesn't kind of apply maybe in this COVID set, um, session, you know, like it is a hard time. We can't see people and we're kind of isolated in our homes. But, you know, when it does get back to what may be our new normal, we will eventually see our friends again. But also it's another thing too important to emphasize is, um, separation of school and leisure. I know at least during our school year, a lot of people had a hard time focusing on why they were there in the first place. You know, mm. and I, I mean, I don't want to take away from the idea that, you know, Taekwondo is fun. Taekwondo is something that kept me grounded when I was there at UT. Um, you know, it actually kind of prevented me from leaving UT as well. You know, all the relationships and experiences I had. But another thing I had a hard time focusing was on was why I was at UT in the first place. I became yeah. so focused on doing Taekwondo that, you know, my grades started to slip and I forgot, you know, the whole reason I came to UT was to do something for my future. And while Taekwondo was a part of my future and something that um, curated what eventually what I wanted to do and the people I wanted to be around, I feel like it's good to emphasize that, you know, 
don't forget why you were here in the first place and also keep yourself centered. Good points. Good points. Oh, I had like 10 minutes to like think about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the overwhelming thought that I kept going back to was that I miss Texas Taekwondo and I miss college. And I honestly, I think I was very sad when I left college uh, for medical school um, because uh, Texas Taekwondo was such an integral part of my formative, formative years. Um, so if this is like an advice or parting word section, ses section, sorry. Um, I don't think that, uh, oh God, my brain just went blank. I'm sorry. Guys. Like I, had, I had this whole train of thought and then it just, my dad opened the door to, to, to come out and I just completely <laughs> forgot. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, where was I at? Okay. So I said something. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So here's a crap for you to edit. You can, okay. <laughs> cut it. Yeah. Cut that. Um, I think kind of like the adage, you, um, sometimes you don't know how much you love something until you, it's, it's gone. Um, and that's a good thing. I think I put so much Ooh. into this club that when I left, I felt bereft of, of some of the, the really special, important experiences that I had. And that's awesome. That's really yeah. great that I had that experience that I, that I, that is worthy of lamenting that it's gone. So yeah. the, the parting words or the advice is to be in the club and immerse yourself so much if you can, if you're able, if you're willing and let it, let it be that thing that um, that when when you depart from it, you felt like you really did give it your all, that it was really important, and that was so meaningful for you to have had that experience. And that all comes from your time meaningfully, deliberately spent in the club. So yeah. whatever that looks like to you, I was an officer. I really didn't... I, not to the extent of Jenny or Rachel, I didn't really delve in into sparring and focus on that, but I focused on the people. That was my yeah. thing. I focused on the people. I focused on making connections. And through that avenue, I kind of leveled up, you know, like if Rachel leveled up in her sparring, <laughs> I leveled up in my communication skills and connecting with people. And that's something that you can do too. So whatever yeah. your, your avenue, um, uh, of investment yeah like jenny said you'll get out of what you put in but that's wow. those are my words yeah very touching very moving and i'm going to continue this sappiness so hang on <laughs> <laughs> um, more sap. yeah more sap i'm going to go over some of my favorite memories with y'all before we get off of this podcast oh yep. oh no here we go <laughs> So let's start with Jenny. 
Um, my favorite memory of Jenny was, and I talked about it a little bit previously on this, on this episode, was, you know, I remember talking to her at Collegiates, but I remember the buildup to Nationals and getting to know her when I wrote that biography piece about her. And, um, you know, I got the impression that, you know, sparring wasn't her thing, but she embraced it and she went on to nationals to kick butt. And it just really resonated with me because, you know, I think not many people gave her the chance to, or had the expectations of her to be so competitive, but yet we described her as a very, you know, vicious, ferocious competitor who, as she clearly stated, she sometimes wants to go out there and be aggressive and just kick somebody in the head, but she did. Um, but my favorite memory of Jenny is that trip to nationals um, and just getting to know her, not just as a competitor, but as a person. And I think it was encapsulated into this one photograph that Coach Joe took when we went out to eat after a competition. And oh, I, think- I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know how we came on to the topic, but I was talking about how I met my wife and, and <laughs> like everyone at the table just kind of stopped and listened to me talk about the story of how I met my wife. And at that one exact moment when coach Joe took the photograph, Jenny is like resting her chin on her hands <laughs> and she's, <laughs> she's just encapsulated into my story. And I'm just, <laughs> I think that that photograph kind of encapsulates everything, like the best moments I have, the best memories I have of uh, of Jenny Kim. <laughs> yeah, I'm just completely enchanted by the story. Like, it's so like cute. Little puppy dog look. Oh, <laughs> I need to see it. Where is it? Where can I find this picture? I will use that picture to post this podcast <laughs> episode. Oh, no. <laughs> it was such an enamoring story. Um, but I mean, honestly, I think, you know, that's, that's the one photograph I like to remember Jenny Kim by, but again, just the fact that, you know, she, she went out and she proved to everybody that she's a, a tough fighter and, uh, everyone saw it. I think that's, uh, my favorite memory of Jenny Kim. I love you, my trans. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Jenny Kim. We're all very proud of you. Um, so on to Rachel, <laughs> You two were in that photograph, by the way, listening to my story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, okay, Photoshop just came in. Photoshop me in. Yes, yes. Wait, I. Uh, what picture would you choose? It doesn't matter. You are the you're the host. You get to choose. <laughs> there's there's only like thousands and thousands of Facebook posts from Texas Taekwondo, and it has him in it. So, uh, it's so funny because I think that it's definitely true that there are people yeah. who just doesn't who don't know me. And that's what? so strange what? in the club, you know, like, 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 as we move forward, there will eventually be a time when no one knows you, which is an analogy to life. But yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Cause I, I that's just, <laughs> that's crazy to me. Yeah. That's- we'll, we'll make sure that you remembered. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but my favorite memory of Rachel. Again, a lot of it stems from that trip to National Salt Lake City. That was just a really fun, very good trip overall. Um, but yeah, watching Rachel compete, winning gold in a different weight class, 
Um, but then fast forward to the next year where we had collegiates in Austin and then Rachel won gold there. And um, after, after the whole tournament was said and done, I remember going back to the mat room and we're all just kind of unwinding and, you know, it was Rachel's last year is her last tournament. And, you know, she just poured her heart out onto the mat and yet here she is. <laughs> Story time. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and again, uh, we're, we're, we're unwinding and then she pours her heart out again in front of her team and uh, it moved everyone to tears. I remember, I mean, you know, I remember I was watching and then Rachel started crying. Then maybe I started crying a little bit and then I look over and then everyone else in the, <laughs> on the team is crying. <laughs> it, it, it was such a very moving moment, but I remember that, um, you know, here's, here is this girl who, started in taekwondo her freshman year shied away from sparring you know had a weird experience in tomball but yet stepped out and finished her year as a very clear spiritual and emotional leader and you were even you were a student coach that year too i believe so mm -hmm. i mean it was an awesome transformation uh to see you go through it, rachel and you know we're all very proud and happy to have had you in Texas Taekwondo. So yeah, that, that, that moment right after your last fight um, is my lasting memory of, of you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, a very bittersweet moment. Um, I'm <laughs> actually pretty, you know, glad to have even been a part of this club, to be honest. One yeah. of my best memories um, to this date. And, you know, every day I do miss being in the club <laughs> and spending time with the people I've basically um made a new life within austin <laughs> um and then heem uh i didn't get to coach you very much and i'll be honest when i first met you i thought you were kind of too loud <laughs> <laughs> hashtag everybody else <laughs> um but uh, i watched you lead from the front and I remember watching you leading up to collegiate in DC and you were just so actively involved in so many elements. And I was, I was like, there's no way, there's no way this, this college student can keep up with everything that's going on with Texas Taekwondo an organization pretty much, and then keep up with their studies. But yet you did. <laughs> and I mean, like you described earlier, you wanted to make that year go out with a bang and you did, and it was awesome. Um, but the one defining moment that always sticks out to me and now I'll just tell the story. So it was after all the competition in DC and we had gone out to eat at this Korean restaurant and it was awesome. We had a good time. It was funny because we actually ran into A&M on their way out. Yeah. <laughs> Did that really happen? It did. Yeah, there, there was like five or eight of them. And then we come in and we take up like half the whole restaurant. Oh, yeah. That was a good Classic. time. That was a good it was, it was awesome. And it was just great. We are having a good time. Um, now, I remember the coaches were fighting over who was going to pay for it. <laughs> uh, but what I remember was as we were winding down and we were all um, – moving the whole group. I think we're, we were all going to go explore the city. I think we're going to go get cookies or something like that. 
Yeah, insomnia yeah. cookies. No, wait, that insomnia was Colorado. Cookies. Was that no, no, Colorado? no, that was DC. Yeah. It was DC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, ice cream was Colorado. That's right. Oh, <laughs> so Martin. I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking outside first, and it was dark. It was quiet, and I see one of our athletes sitting out by themselves, and they were clearly going through an, an emotional breakdown. Like it was an anxiety attack, um, even though nothing bad happened. We were all in positive spirits, but I get it. You know, sometimes emotions just come out in a way that we don't want it to. And it's just, they were clearly going through something at that moment. And um, I'll be honest, you know, I was the first person to see them and I got scared. And the reason why I was scared was I don't, I didn't have the courage or belief or confidence in myself that I was, that I had the emotional tools to help someone else out in their time of need like that. Um, I was just raised in a different generation. Uh, if we ever showed weakness, we were, you know, shamed for it. We had to be tough all the time, especially being um, the firstborn Asian male in my family and a lot of the different cultures I grew up. It just, I wasn't emotionally equipped to do that. And I remember I, I, I scrambled and I went and the first person I saw with was, was Heem. And I told Heem, like, hey, uh, so-and-so, I don't think they're doing well. Um, I don't know what to do. And before I could say anything else, Heem like sprang into action. She ran over to the athlete and right away, like, I, I could just tell Heem, you knew what to do. You, you just sat down with the individual. You put your arm around them. And I mean... It was just a, an outpouring of empathy and love. And it was that moment, like I, and I don't say this very often, I saw you and I was like, that is someone I want to be like. I wish I could lead like Heem does. I mean, with, without even questioning, you just jump straight into showing empathy and love. And that's exactly what needed to be shown at that time. And yeah. Uh, that's, oh, wow. That's the type of leadership that we all need. I think that's just what we as humans need to show to each other all the time. And I didn't know how to do it at that moment. Um, but I saw you do it. And I try to model myself after that every single day. Um, so that is my lasting memory of you. And that there speaks to why Texas Taekwondo was so successful. It was because of those types of actions the, all of you led with empathy and love, not from toughness and discipline. And the way you led was exactly what our community needed. And so, you know, for that, I think Keem, I think all of you all for that, that, you know, you, you taught me a lot just from that. Well, that story is crazy. <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I remember that story. I remember that experience, mm -hmm. but I didn't remember. Cause I, I'm sorry about this, but I don't, I don't remember you at all. I know. <laughs> I know. That's okay. I don't okay. remember you or anybody at all. I just remembered. I remembered that happening. Yeah. And, and I was like, that's in that, you, you, <laughs> you, you shouldn't remember me because I was I wouldn't even consider myself on the sideline, but I was 
I watched it. I remember just saying to myself, I don't know what to do, but clearly someone did. And that person was you. So yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for reminding me of that story. Wow. Uh, That was so touching. Mike, you have a really, (laughs) you have a way with words. Wow. Uh, That pulled at my heartstrings. Yeah. Well, thank you for your kind words. Um, Thank you for having us on this podcast. It's been a great time for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this was, this was great. Uh, Thank you all for taking the time to be on here as well. And uh, I know, I know everyone else in Texas Taekwondo misses y'all and look forward to hearing from y'all from this, you know? We miss really so you. much, too. <laughs> uh, you know my words. The last 10 minutes I spoke was just about how much I miss y'all. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, when all this is said and done, you know, I can't wait to kick y'all in the face again. <laughs> Actually, I am afraid to be kicked in the face by Jenny Kim because it Jenny. will happen. I can't even reach the face anymore with my leg. <laughs> well, if you just kick their legs and he goes down, then you can kick his face. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to give her any advice like that. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm a leader. I'm supposed to give it. It's true. He's firing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you all for being on here. Um, we miss y'all. We're all super proud of all of you. Hands down. We're, we're super proud of all of you. And we look forward to the day where we can be on the mat room again. Thank 100%. you so much, Mike, for hosting us. Thank you. This has been another episode of Texas Taekwondo in the Coach's Corner. If you would like to contribute to the Texas Taekwondo Alumni Association Endowment Fund, please contact Texas Taekwondo Alumni at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, hook them. When did we expect this podcast to be ah, up? Yes. So um, I am in the process of recording all my season two podcasts. So what okay. I like to do, I like to record um, a handful of episodes before I start releasing them. So this will probably come out in August when the school year starts. Okay. Sounds good. So it's a good time because I think everyone is just about missing y'all a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a really, it'll be a really good timed episode.